Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and I have episode 147 of the podcast that was originally recorded on January 29th of 2017. Some of the games I talked about this week, Rick and Morty Total Rick All Card Game, A Little Blood of an Englishman, Some Automania, A Little Tile Game Called Puzzle Strike, I also played a couple of PS4 games, Telltale Batman game, I played the fifth episode in that, as well as A Little Resident Evil. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now, and we are on episode 147 of the podcast. As always, you can send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send the emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can join us in some conversations over on our board game, Geek Guild. We are guild number 2440. What I'm Playing Now is our guild name. On Twitter, you can follow me at What I'm Playing Now. Don't forget to drop the G, like I always say, on Facebook. Just do a search for What I'm Playing Now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign, what I'm playing now podcast. And then as always, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Okay, this week is our whipping update. We have a little email that I received from a designer of the game Baird, which I had discussed about three, four episodes ago um, on my podcast. The email's from Michael McCallion. He's actually the designer of the game. He's looking to actually start a Baird Game League around the area here in Northeast Ohio. He's actually reserved a room at the Brunswick Library on Saturday, February 4th. It looks like he's going to be down there from 12 to 4.30 in the Hickory Room. And he will be trying to get a league started up for his game, Baird, which I discussed, which is really interesting, kind of fun strategy game. If you're interested or looking for something to do on that Saturday and you like strategy games, definitely check out the Brunswick Library and see their schedule. Uh, Like I said, it looks like he has the Hickory Room reserved under his name, and it is going to be basically just for open board game playing of his his game, Baird. So if you're interested in strategy games, definitely check that one out, and I will also try to put a link for the Facebook group that he started in the show notes today. So that's it for our whipping updates. Other than that, let's get back to what we actually played for this past week under the What I'm Playing Now part of the show. One of the first games we actually played down at my Thursday, but actually it was our Monday board game meetup. I did not make it down to Thursday. At our Monday board game meetup, we played Rick and Morty, total Rick all card game. This is a little interesting card game. Very basic, I would say. It's really easy to pick up on, but a heck of a lot of fun. We played just the two-player co-op version of the game. The card game is based on the episode of the same name, Total Rickall. And if you're not familiar with that episode, in that episode of the show, Rick has basically locked the whole family in the house. And they're trying to figure out why the family has grown from the small group of five people who are normally into the house to a house full of people. And the house is packed with all these different people and growing at a at an interesting rate, and they're trying to figure out which people are real and which ones are parasites, as the parasites are creating new characters in the show, and they're actually giving the normal house members memories of 
when they were when this new family member had originally kind of came into the house. So so they've kind of tricked the real family members into thinking that they've been there the whole time when they really haven't. And this card game plays right along with that episode. The object of the game is it's kind of like a memory style game is kind of what it reminded me of right off the bat. What you're trying to do is each player is working together. There's going to be characters in the middle of the table. You're trying to look at what the character is and then basically shoot them and try to eliminate the parasites. So you'll have different cards in your hand that you can play where it could possibly let you look at a red character, look at a blue character, as there's characters of different color cards on the table. And then you're also going to have cards that are going to let you shoot the different characters on the boards to eliminate the parasites. And you're going to have a couple of different actions that will come up throughout the game. But that's that's kind of like the gist of the game at a very high level when you're playing the co-op the co-op game. There is a more advanced game where you can play in teams and you kind of have a trade and, uh, hidden trader element. We didn't have the opportunity to play with more than two of us, so we weren't able to try that advanced game. I definitely would like to try that. It sounds like that could be a hell of a lot of fun. But the two-player game was actually a pretty good time. We actually lost to the Parasites because there's just certain times where you're playing a card and you possibly only have a shoot action in your hand and you have not been able to review or view any of the characters that are on the board. So you kind of just have to take a guess as to which one possibly is a parasite. And while there are more parasites than real people in the deck, we got unlucky and flipped over several real people to where our game basically ended for us. Although we were very close to winning, we did not succeed at defeating the parasites. And I guess, unlike the episode where they were able to defeat them all, I guess our household was probably just overrun with parasites then. Um, I'm guessing that's how that episode probably would have ended had they not killed everybody. But if you haven't seen that episode of The Rick and Morty Show, definitely check that one out. It is a hell of a, hell of a funny episode. It's just hilarious the way they're trying to figure out who is who in the house during that episode. And, and I will say that the card game does give a pretty decent representation of that actual episode of the show. They do a really good job in basically making you feel like you don't know which of your, which of the characters in front of you are actual family members and real and which ones are the actual parasites. So if you have a chance to play this one, definitely check this one out. Very nice little card game, really inexpensive, I believe, and it's very easy to pick up on. Very light game. Okay, after we were finished with Rick and Morty, we jumped over to a small little card game from Renegade Games called The Blood of an Englishman. This is a really interesting abstract type of card game where you're pitting Jack against the giant. The giant is trying to get fee-fi-fo-fum in either a row or column which I'll explain a little bit later. And Jack is trying to essentially build three sets of beanstalks. So the, how the game works is you're going to have five sets of castle cards that are out in front of between the two players. Jack has three moves that he's going to be able to do on his turn. And he can move cards in one of four ways. He can move a card from the front of any castle stack to the front of any other castle stack. He can move a card from the front of any castle stack to the top of Jack's current beanstalk in front of him. He can move a card from the back of any castle stack to the front of the same castle stack, or for the final action that he can possibly do, he can move a card from the back of any castle stack to the top of Jack's current beanstalk. 
So as Jack's building the beanstalk, what he's going to try to do is he's trying to collect six different beanstalk cards. They have to be in ascending order, but not necessarily sequential order. Once he completes those six cards in front of them, he will try to then move one of the treasure cards from one of the castle stacks to the end of that beanstalk, which will then complete that. And Jack's trying to essentially complete three of those beanstalks before the giant does his fee-fi-fo-fum part by moving his cards around. So if you're playing as the giant, the giant has three movement options that he can take. He can discard any one single beanstalk card from any position in any castle stack. He can move the front foremost cards as a group to the front of any other castle stack or make two moves. Each move he takes the front most card in any castle stack and moves it to the front of any other castle stack. So basically, that are that's the movement type of options that each of the players are going to have based on whether they're playing Jack or the Giant. As I mentioned, the Giant's going to win if he can vertically get four of the different Giant cards in, in a single adjacent unbroken group within a single castle, or if he can get one of the Fee-Fi-Fo-Fum cards in the front spot, like I said, in on four of the five castle stacks. Like I said before, as Jack, you can win by completing three of those six Beanstalk cards, each one with a different treasure card at the end. And that's the gist of the whole game. It's, it's a rather easy game to pick up on, but there's a lot of strategy with all the different movements that you do. You're trying to look ahead a couple of movements as you're playing the game, trying to think of how your opponent is going to be moving the cards. I was actually playing as Jack, and I lost. The giant was get, got was able to get the Fee-Fi-Fo-Fum in one of the columns before I was able to stop him. And I that was just my fault. I, I was trying to set myself up to finish one of my beanstalks and just wasn't paying close enough attention and just overlooked where some of the Fee-Fi-Fo-Fum cards were and the multiple movements that, that the giant can make just kind of got me there right at the end of the game. But this is a really interesting type of strategy game. Very easy to pick up on. Um, I was able to learn this game in less than five minutes because there's is it, the rules that I basically just read you are pretty much the rules for the game. There's a few other things that you need to watch out for that the rules do go over. But I kind of just wanted to give you guys a quick overview of some of the different moves that both of the characters can take. But the art on the cards is really great. The game is actually was created by Dan Cassar. I believe he was the designer who did Arboretum, which is a favorite game of my wife and mine. Really fun game. This one, I will say, is really good. Like I said, it's only two players. It's the you know Jack against the Giant. So if you're looking for a nice two little abstract player type card game, definitely check this one out from Renegade Games. I would def I will definitely be adding this one to my collection shortly. All right, then the third game that we actually played on Monday. A nice little worker placement game that was a very light, I would almost call this a good introductory game that could be used for worker placement games for people who are possibly newer to the hobby or wanting to get into worker placement games and maybe not having played them before. This is a very light, easy game to learn. It's a game called Automania. It was a lot of fun to play, so let's go over some of the rules that we had to go through and learn. On your turn, you're going to be placing workers in the center board to obtain tiles, which are going to be placed in your tableau in front of you, which is almost like a little automotive plant. 
on your turn, based on wherever you placed your worker, you can possibly produce one of the cars that you placed your worker on for a certain amount of money. If you take your car and produce that car, it will follow a certain path. And based on those tiles that you're taking from the center of the board and then putting on your tableau, as the car is going through the assembly line, it will obtain different characteristics, you could say, which will give you more stars or you will have to have possibly speed, safety, and various other things that go along with the car. And this will allow you to then ship the car to either the U.S. or European side of the board. The U.S. side of the board, if you ship your card over there, you'll be getting more money. During the shipping round, if you ship it on the European side, you're actually going to be getting more victory points. So there are still a couple of spots on either side of the board. On the American side, on the U.S. side, you can still get a few some victory points, but it is more heavily weighted towards money. On the European side, under the shipping side, it is more heavily weighted towards victory points, but there are still a couple of spots where you can get a few um, dollars here and there. That's essentially kind of how the game is played. You have other managers that you can obtain from the center part of the board that can go on your tableau. Those managers will allow you to do um, a different or additional actions or give you additional things when producing your car. There are also cards that you could obtain in the game that you can try to meet the requirements on the cards and match them when you're producing your cards to give you additional victory points at the end of the game. Like I said, this is a very introductory, to me it was, it seems like it's a very introductory worker placement game. I think it was a lot of fun still. We played the basic game since it was the first time we had played it. There is an advanced side of the tableau, the player tableaus that do change things around. It changes around some of the paths that the cars can take. So you have to watch where you're putting the tiles from the center of the ta the center of the table onto your tableau and and follow the different paths along i believe that the characteristics of the each individual company then also changes as some are geared towards different fact different things along with the automobile industry it's, when we were playing this, we were kind of joking around about Kanban, considering Kanban is another worker-style placement game. Um, but Kanban is, I would say, just a little bit harder, not a little bit, let's say significantly, you know, harder to pick up on than what Automania is. Automania is definitely a nice, late game, um, one that you can knock out once you know it with a couple of people in probably well under an hour. There's only four rounds, I believe, to the game, and then you're going to be counting victory points. Our game was very close. And I think I had lost by just a couple of points, but it was still a lot of fun to play. The art on the on the board and on the cards is a little on the cartoony side, so that may be a turnoff for some people. But considering it is a lighter game, it this is more of like a I would say it's more of a family style game. You can still have a lot of fun with it. I I do want to get this one to the table again and try out the advanced side of the 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 character tableaus. Because I'd like to see if it maybe does add a little bit more strategy than what you have to the game. Um, one of the more interesting spots in the game, when you're placing your workers on the center of the table, if somebody already has a worker there, if you know, if if my opponent played placed a worker there, I can actually go to that same spot to be able to take a tile from that possible row or column. But I have to put one more worker there than what's currently there. You also cannot replace your own workers. So if you've used, if you've put your, one of your workers on a spot on the game and you want to possibly revisit that spot. 
You kind of have to hope that your opponent goes there and gives you your worker back and they put, you know, two workers there and then you can possibly put three there on your next turn if you want. But that's a lot of workers to put on one individual spot considering you can there's multiple ways you can get to a particular tile if there is one particular tile that you actually want from the center of the board so that's about automania in a nutshell like i said very simple very introductory worker style placement game but it was still a lot of fun all right and then the final game we actually played down at the game store is a little game called puzzle strike this is an interesting bag building tile game that we played that really reminded me of the Puzzle Fighter 2 series that I think we played back on the original PlayStation video game years ago. So what you're doing in Puzzle Strike, it's a bag builder that is really reminiscent of a deck builder. It's, it's very close to that. You're going to have a bag of tiles and the tiles are going to consist of different actions you can take as well as certain tiles that are going to have different numbers on them, which is a monetary value. You're going to draw five tiles from your bag on your turn after taking one of the single tile tokens from the center of the table with the number one on there and kind of like doing an ante on your board. If you get 10 of those tiles, um, 10 of those numbered tiles onto your side of the board when you do your ante, as your opponent, you and your opponent will be kind of like attacking each other with those tiles as well, uh, you lose the game. So the object of the game is to play these tiles, purchase other tiles from the center of the board, attack your opponent, try to send tiles over to his side of the board from your tableau that's in front of you, and try to get him to 10 tiles, or 10, 10 gold, I guess you could say, onto his tableau before you do. We played a couple of games of this. The games, the games are very fast, just like the video game. I mean, when, when I sat down and... Um, my buddy Eric actually pulled the game out and started explaining it to me. I mean, the first thing I thought about were playing those video games years ago. And I go, wow, this is really, really similar to, you know, like the, the Puzzle Fighter series of video games. But basically in a in a physical tile, you know, base format. And there's the box comes with so many different types of tiles. The game is going to be different every time you play it. There's a certain amount of tiles that you're going to be putting out. And the tiles will allow you to do different actions. Some of the actions can allow you to take different actions. Some of them will let you chain combos. And once you learn those tiles and can start getting some of those combinations going to where you can just start chaining action after action after action. Because on your turn, you only get one action, which is kind of like Dominion style. You know, the deck builder Dominion, where you only start off with one kind of action per round that you have. This game's, this game's similar, and it plays the same way. You only have one action, so you need to purchase those tiles from the center of the table that are going to allow you to do multiple actions based on some of the different tiles you're placing. So reading those tiles and learning to learning how some of those combos and tiles are going to work together is really going to be essential for this game. So you can really get kind of like a nice small engine going and start chaining stuff together and try to do multiple things on your turn to where you're able to try to keep that tableau in front of you less than 10 gold so sending tiles over and attacking your opponent is something that you definitely have to try to do and get to real fast so i really enjoyed puzzle puzzle strike i thought it was a really really cool game i like bag builders i've talked about several bag builders in the past and how i've enjoyed orleans automobiles games that are definitely at the top of my my you know game list overall 
that I've really enjoyed. But Puzzle Strike was a nice little interesting take, especially with the different attacks you can do with your opponent. You can combo together some of your gold tokens that are in front of your in front of you, and you can send over multiple tokens at one time once you get into some of the higher cost tiles that are going to be on the table in front of you. So Puzzle Strike, I definitely like to play this game a couple of more times because, like I said, there's so many tiles in the game. I mean, when Eric opened up the box, there are just rows and rows of tiles, and there's two sets of plastic where there's just rows of tiles, and we played with probably not even a third of the different tiles that are in the box, and I can't even imagine some of the other combinations that are in there, and there's also expansions to this game from what it looks like, so we were just playing with the base set. So I, there, there's just so many tiles that it's just, if you like tiles, if you like playing attacking style games, definitely check this one out. It looks like it would be a lot of fun for you as we had a really, really good time with it. So those were the board games I played for the week. Let's jump over to a couple of games I actually got in on my PlayStation 4 finally for a while. I was able to revisit the Telltale Batman game a game that I had started a while ago, and that fifth episode's been downloaded and sitting there for the past month or so. I just haven't had a chance to revisit that, so I had a little bit of time yesterday morning, and I said, let's just knock this out real quick. It's the fifth episode. I wanted to try to get onto a couple other games, so I just sat down, knocked out the Batman game, and I have to say that Telltale definitely did a really good job with the representation of Batman. I thought that the story that they wrapped around this Batman game was really good. It was kind of unique in that it doesn't really follow any of the other storylines that I that I know of from the Batman um, type of comic book. But one of the interesting things was at the end of the game, I guess you could say this might be a little bit of spoiler, but the way they ended it, I can pretty much guarantee there is probably going to be a second episode from Telltale in regards to Batman. It seems like this one did pretty good for them. It seems like it got some pretty good reviews as opposed to some of the other Walking Dead games, some of the more recent Walking Dead games that people hadn't really been too keen on. Um, I think that the graphics in this game was reminiscent of some of the other ones. The play style is really reminiscent of those other games as well. But the thing that really drew me into the game was definitely the characters as well as the story. I mean, it's this Batman story is really good. And like I said, the way they ended it, there has to be a number two coming out, hopefully sometime soon, because it it just seems like it's impossible if there wouldn't be one. So if you haven't had a chance to check out some of the, the Telltale games, definitely check them out. Batman is one of my more favorite ones that they've actually released that I've played through all the way. I believe they actually had a lot of those games on sale over the holiday season, so maybe you were able to pick a couple of those up. But Batman Telltale was definitely a lot of fun. Also this past week, Resident Evil 7 was released. I don't think I've actually purchased a Resident Evil game back since number two on the original PlayStation. And I was a huge Resident Evil fan back in the day um, of one and two. I think I played some of three. I might have played a little bit of four, five, and six. I can't even remember if I played any of. One of them might have been a free download from PlayStation Plus, and I might have played a little bit of them there, but the game kind of turned from a horror-adventure-style game at the beginning into more of a shooter-style game in the last several ones, which kind of turned me off as that wasn't, wasn't really the type of Resident Evil game I was looking for. 
And going into Resident Evil 7, I was a little hesitant. I had read some early reviews and read some early comments from some people that had seen the game in regards to it seems like they were going back to some of the original roots to the, the Resident Evil series. It wasn't really a shooter anymore. You really had a lot of stress and pressure while you were playing the game. Your bullets were very limited, just like in the original one. Um, from what I can tell so far, it seems like you can do saves in certain points, but this, unlike the original one where you had the actual ink cartridges that you needed to put in the typewriter to be able to utilize the save in the typewriters, this one has a cassette, an old cassette type that you can use saves on, and it looks like you can go back and do saves multiple times. I haven't seen a limitation to the save yet from what I can tell in the game, so that makes it a little bit easier so you don't actually have to manage trying to figure out how many how many ink cartridges do I have left and how much you know how many how far along in the game I am and when is the next possible boss fight coming up and when should I save so you don't have that much of a juggling for you know that but you still have a lot of inventory inventory control you need to do so your inventory is limited and you do have it looks like chests that are in throughout the game that you could possibly fill up with items and then use utilize at other spots. So that is reminiscent of the old ones. It looks like you can find herbs and mix herbs and some liquids together to possibly make healing potions and probably a few other things that I haven't run into. I'm only a couple hours into the game right now, but from everything that I can see, the story in this game is just really messed up. It does remind me a little bit of probably something along the lines of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but wow, the graphics in the game are just top-notch. Probably some of the best graphics I've seen on the PlayStation 4 to date. I picked it up on my PlayStation 4 rather than my PC because I kind of just wanted something to play on my couch for a little while and not just sit up in front of the computer. I haven't been playing a lot of games on the PlayStation 4, so I just wanted to finally just sit down and play something on the PlayStation 4, and I figured, what better game to do on the PS4 than a Resident Evil-style game? So... I picked it up pre-order from Amazon. If you did the pre-order from Amazon, remember that if you have Prime, during the pre-orders you get 20% off, which I think is an outstanding deal. It's really cool that they do that. So Resident Evil, I'm having a lot of fun with. I'm not going to go into any other spoilers or anything with the game, other than that some of the different puzzles that I'm trying to work through right now are just really a lot of fun, and some of the characters in the game are just really, really out there. But they seem like it's it seems like the game's gonna come along pretty good. So I'm very happy I picked this one up. Can't wait to see more of this game. I'm interested to see how long the game actually is. I've heard it's a little on the shorter side, which is really fine by me, because sometimes the 40 to 80 hours games, I just don't have time to really invest that much time into the game. So if it's a little bit shorter, I'm completely cool with that one. But so far, I'm having a great time with Resident Evil 7. So that's it. Those are the games I played for the week. Let's jump into a few of the things that I would like to play. A game currently on Kickstarter, Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. This one looks to be a very interesting 4X-style game with some really great miniatures. If you want to spend a little bit more money on the Kickstarter, you can actually get your miniatures painted for you, which I think is a really neat offering that they're actually offering on Kickstarter. You can either go for the unpainted or painted. If I was to back this, I would definitely throw in the extra money to get them painted, as I have so many miniature games around here which are unpainted and I don't have time to paint things, that having the opportunity to purchase something like this, I definitely go for the painted, the painted um, tokens or, you know, characters as well. I want to 
read a little bit more about this and watch some of the video game plays I've seen that are out there. I have read just a little bit about the game. It does look to be really interesting and it looks to be good, but I've been trying to stay away from Kickstarter and just buy current games and not spend a couple hundred dollars on a Kickstarter, which is going to eat up pretty much my monthly allowance that I try to give myself for gaming on something that I'm not going to get for many, many months as opposed to a game that is out there right now that I would like to have in my collection. So that is, that's where I'm torn really right now with Kickstarter. So I'm going to have to decide if this one really looks like it's worth putting the money into, or if it's something I should possibly just maybe wait for it to come out on retail. One of the other things I'm currently looking at that I've actually talked about in a previous episode is the AEG Destination Fun Combo Pack. So this is actually going to be a combination pack of expansions for the planes, trains, and then automobile style game. And from what it looks like on BoardGameGeek, this appears to be the only way they're releasing these expansions for those three games into one box set. From what I read, it looks like it's going to be about $80 or so. I had been wanting to get automobiles lately, and the expansion is something that was really something I was interested in, especially trying to get an automobiles league going down at my local game store for a little while, maybe try to run one for a month to see how that would go. But I'm going to be really disappointed if AEG actually just sells this in this kind of, to me, expensive. I mean, what you're getting in the box is going to be a lot of expansion. So it's, it's definitely worth the $80, but automobiles is going to be the only game out of that pack that I would actually own. So I'm actually really glad that I didn't jump on purchasing automobiles over the holiday season because the expansion is something I really want to go along with it. And until they actually separate out the automobiles expansion from this combo pack, I'm not really too sure I'm going to be adding automobiles to my collection anytime soon because it's just going to be a really big disappointment because I won't have anything to do with those extra two expansions that are in there and trying to trade them or sell them off is just going to be way too much of a hassle because I'm sure a lot of other people are going to be trying to do that. So hopefully they're going to be splitting those things out, selling them individually because throwing all those together, well, it's probably better for them. I don't really think it's beneficial for everybody who doesn't already have all three of those games or who isn't necessarily interested in all three of those games. And, and I understand that they're trying to, you know, put all three of these together into a pack and they're trying to make it like a whole series, but I'm not interested in trains and I'm not interested in planes. I'm sorry. So this is probably one that's going to be really pushed down to the bottom of my buy list until I see or hear something different a little bit about those combo packs and how that's going to be sold. So hopefully something comes out about that and maybe something of that changes. Also, another expansion that I read about on Board Game Geek a couple of weeks ago, I don't think I've actually mentioned it on the podcast, Terraforming Mars is going to be coming out with one expansion pack here soon, Hellas and Elysium. I believe this is going to be one of four expansions from what it sounds like that's going to be released by publisher Stronghold Games for Terraforming Mars. Terraforming Mars was in my top 10 games of last year. I believe it was number four or five for me. I really enjoy Terraforming Mars. I'm really interested to see what this expansion brings. It sounds like it's going to have a new board, some new additional cards, some new strategies and tactics to go along with it. Terraforming Mars is definitely, definitely a great game. If you have not gotten that one to the table, Definitely try to get that one picked up when the new printing comes out here shortly. Um, it is definitely a hot game. I have a feeling the second printing is probably going to be just as hot as the first one. A lot of people are still looking for this game. And when the expansion comes out, 
I have a feeling it's going to probably be just that much harder to get the base set because everybody's going to be picking that game up. So that's it. Those are the games that I played for the week as well as a few of the games that I want to play. As always, send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send the emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We have a guild there. We are guild number 2440 on Twitter. I am at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G, like I always say, in there on Facebook. Just do a search for what I'm playing now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign what I'm playing now podcast. And then, as always, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Hey, everybody, thanks for joining me for another week of the podcast. I will be back next week with some more great games played and some continuing stories, probably in Resident Evil as well as a few other games. But until then, everybody, you know what you need to do. Go out there, play some games, and then let me know what you're playing now. Have a great week, everybody, and I will talk to you later. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.